Welcome everyone, my name's Sonia, I'm from um, Soft UK. Um, I'm here with Simone Adams. Um, she has a lovely little girl, three years old, Maeve, and we're going to have a conversation about how uh, Simone and Maeve's experience has been during lockdown. Thank you so much, Simone, for being with us. First of all, just start off by giving us a little intro um, about Maeve from the beginning and how you found Soft. Well, Maeve, we have a, a relatively normal pregnancy with Maeve. She was born at 35 weeks. She came, uh, well, obviously she came early, but she was tiny, £3.11, um, went into spontaneous labour. Um, but I was actually booked in for a C-section on the day that, on the morning that Maeve came because she'd stopped growing and my placenta had stopped working. So gave birth to Maeve and she was whisked off to neonatal. Six hours later, we were told that she'd got an underdeveloped ear and her hips didn't mobilise. And that together with her low birth weight, they said they were going to do some genetic testing, which they said not to worry about because they do it more often than not. And it comes back relatively normal. Yeah. Ten days later, we were told that she'd got Edward syndrome. World completely as you can imagine, completely crashed down. I've got two older boys who's 10 and 7. Yeah. So we just presumed, you know, as you do, you're going to have a healthy, happy, you know, little girl. Um, mm. Obviously, things didn't turn out that way. She was in neonatal for four weeks and then we were sent home at four weeks old on end-of-life palliative care. We were actually sent home and we were told we were going home to die. Um, oh, wow. We were referred to Acorns Children's Hospice. We were back in hospital within five days of Maeve being out of hospital back on the children's ward because she was having some apnea spells which again they didn't want to treat because we were told why would you treat a baby that's going to die prematurely and those with Edward syndrome die early anyway and her life expectancy was only six weeks so yeah it kind of drifts on from there but in actual fact, she's gone from strength to strength. You know, she's yeah. only 7.1 kilograms in weight. She's only 75 centimetres long. So she's just gone into 12 to 18 month clothing. But she's the happiest, smiliest girl. I think I'm a bit biased because I'm a mum, obviously. But oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the happiest, smiliest baby that I have ever met. She Aww. very rarely cries. If she cries, we know there's definitely something up. Yeah. Um, she only cries if she's got belly ache, which isn't very often, or if she's brewing something or she's got a cold coming. Otherwise, yeah, she she's really happy. First 18 months of Maeve's life, we had to fight practically fight for everything that we needed for Maeve and by our consultant's own admission at 10 months old he practically held his hands up and was like apologising on behalf of him and the rest of his team that for the way that we'd been treated for the first 10 months of Maeve's life and now in all honesty he can't do enough for us he's you know he checks up on us constantly on the phone we've got a I do a blog on Facebook and he follows Maeve's blog on Facebook book yeah and anything we want really we go through him and and he does his best to get us it's so good that it sounds like the support turned around for you and it's all because of Maeve's strength really to survive yeah and they can see that They've said to us quite a lot, you know, we, they don't think Maeve would have got as far as she had got without having parents like us because we have fought for everything. We've questioned everything. You know, I'm not the brightest star in the sky, if you like, but, you know, Maeve has taught us that question absolutely everything. Even if we know just instinctively that they're right, we still question everything. Even now to this day, anything anybody ever says to us, we question. Like you said, that's what Maeve taught you. And I think, 
any family that can relate to that do exactly the same thing as you it's the best approach possible because you need to know what's going on with your child and you're not a medical professional so you need to ask those questions and it's good that you're not afraid to ask them either so did you get referred to soft or did you find soft uk on your own no once we got diagnosis um you you automatically turn to dr google don't you and dr google has all the answers and it actually for us it didn't it, it just absolutely petrified us because of the the photos that we, we saw and the, yeah, the stories so that we read and scrolling down and down and down google um i actually come across soft i, I was like because i work in care anyway and i kept saying to my husband there's a charity for every think nowadays there's got to be some kind of support or something out there and that's when I eventually came across soft um, and I emailed and I actually got put in contact with Tina and I had quite a lengthy conversation with Tina one night and I remember absolutely sobbing sobbing on the phone to Tina for hours just like saying you know how do, how do we do it how do we go on how do I explain to my two boys you now this sister that they've longed for for eight months and you know mm. we've nursed in hospital and she you know they just think she's just a little uh, he's their little sister and she's just poorly and on oxygen and on a feeding tube how do I explain to them that you know she might not make it you know we, we might not have her for as long as what we want to have her and I always remember Tina saying look Simone you're her mom you're their mom you know exactly what to say don't overthink it you know exactly what to say when to say it and three years down the line you know is completely right. We've never told the boys that Maeve's yeah. got a life-limiting condition. We've never told the boys that, that, you know, there's a chance that she's going to die. Mm-hmm. And now Brogan's 10 and he can tell you more about Edward syndrome that, than I can, only yeah. because he's listened to what we've been saying and his ears prick up, you know, what, what you know, what 10-year-olds are like. Yeah, they soak um, it all up as well, don't they? Yeah, you don't realise until randomly he comes out with things just when you're doing the shopping. <laughs> and you know, and it's opened their eyes as well to, to the world of disabilities because they were quite sheltered and didn't yeah. know anybody with a wheelchair or anybody with a facial disfigurement or anything like that. Yeah. And obviously Maeve now has, and, and yeah, it's opened their eyes. But they don't see that, they just see their sister. Yeah. Yeah, she's just she's just not like she's not like everybody else. No. But she's special. That's all they know is that she's special and she's their baby sister. So how have you all been managing during the beginning of lockdown? We're probably the only family that really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's brilliant yeah lot, lots and lots of people were like when we first had May we kind of went into our own little lockdown mm-hmm. you know nobody ever came in the house nobody went out the house the boys went to school I dropped them off and picked them up that was it May never left the house if anybody ever came in the house they were hand sanitizing and every time before they touched her they'd wash their hands um anybody had got the slightest sniffle they wouldn't come by us so it really was like going back to the early days with Maeve and Maeve has absolutely flourished she's come on more in the past eight months than what she has in in the whole two years that she's been here oh that's brilliant What, what makes you think that's happened I think it's because she she thrives on the attention of her eldest brother, Brogan. He's always in a face. He's always doing something in a face. And I think because he's always done it from, from a young age, that's what she wants. That That's what she lives for now. So having mom, because I was furloughed, dad was furloughed, 
and the boys were off school. So having all of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, constantly mm. in a face, constantly in the living room, constantly in the kitchen, somebody was always there with her. You know, she, she got used to that attention. Yeah. And now she's a bit of a pain in the bum with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how is she finding it now slowly? I mean, the boys have gone back to school. Well, she's actually just started preschool. Um, so, so that's done of the world of good as well, because four afternoons a week, she has got someone that's with her two and a half hours for the whole two and a half hours mm-hmm. in her face, doing activities, painting, you know, sensory room. So to a degree, we've managed to get her, you know, to fulfill that need for her. When she comes home, she's too tired to to want to know us anyway. So she tends to sleep. Yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's full of life. Did you have any problems with support coming in to help you during COVID or did you need any any sort of support? Not really, no, because pre-lockdown, a lot of my support had been pulled anyway, like a community nursing team, because she wasn't high on the scale of needing any physical nursing help. Her nursing team was was pulled. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're still there, but it's only as and when we need them now. We just started to have a couple of daycares from the local children's hospice. Mm-hmm. And obviously that all stopped. So, yeah, we'd kind of got used to not having as much support around us as what we had previously. Yeah. But then obviously through lockdown, it was a whole different kettle of fish because we'd got each other. We'd got the family support as opposed to having me being here all day by myself and the boys being at school and dad being at work. We were all there. Me and dad were, were there. So we'd share May through the day. And, if, you know, if dad had, eventually dad is working from home now. But dad is still here. And she senses yeah. that probably. She knows how many people yeah. are there for her. Yeah, she's definitely a daddy's girl, so she, oh, she's she? just <laughs> It's good for you to cash in on that now and then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> I think you wouldn't have a big problem if we went back into another lockdown, really. It sounds like you've got a good uh, strategy in place. Yeah, yeah, we did. The, the, my mother-in-law did all our shopping for, for the 10 weeks that we... Well, mm. we were in lockdown for 13 weeks, but for the 10 weeks of the beginning of lockdown she did our shopping once a week for us and then when I spoke to our family support officer from our local hot children's hospice they did get us some I think they were fortnightly food hampers delivered so we did have that as well so yeah but apart from that yeah it was we did quite enjoy it (laughs) yeah no it sounds like you've had a great experience which is so positive and especially with your boys it's probably not easy managing two other siblings at the same time, but you sound like you're doing a great job. Yeah, the, the most, uh, the, the hardest thing that we had to do was getting the boys to actually do school work, especially the younger one of the two, because he's such a boy. He just wanted to, you know, do boy things and play yeah. in the garden. And, and, and it was actually like, no, you have to do at least a little bit of school work. So hard to motivate them, though, because they're like, but I'm at home. What, why do I need yeah. to do work? But they yeah. did it, you know, yeah. not to be, you know, a little bit forceful sometimes, but yeah. but they did it and they've come out the other side and they, they were one of the few people that went back like the mid-June just after lockdown mm. was just over Yeah, um, and they went back for six weeks before they actually broke up for, for the summer mm. and, and yeah, it did them the world of good. So is there any tips that you can give any other families that might go into shielding again or with, you know, how you kept things so positive for you? 
but for, for you and your family? I'd, I'd say don't stress. Mm. Things are going to be like things are going to be, you know, th there's nothing that we can do about this whole COVID situation. As long as you do as much as what you can in hand sanitising, hand washing, keeping yourself healthy and away from as much as you can, then the, the rest is fate. Yeah. Enjoy it, don't overthink it and, and just do it. <laughs> Take it a day at a time because you just don't know what next week's going to happen. No, right. no. And having Maeve, that, that's exactly what Maeve has taught us to do. You know, we don't we don't plan too far ahead. I never tell the boys yeah. that we're going out on days out and things like that. So, yeah. yeah, just take every day as it comes and live your life like you yeah. want to live it. I think, if anything, trisomy families might have a little bit of an edge on everybody else in this sort of situation. Because, like you said, you've been sort of living this life from when Maeve was born. So, yeah. it's not it's not too alienated for you. And, uh, yeah. you know, your resilience has already been built up from, from then on. So, well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Simone. It's been lovely to hear how well Maeve's doing and uh, I look forward to hearing more of her stories. Thank you for inviting us again. <laughs>